You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Judd with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. All right, Mackey and Judd with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. And it's Thursday, which means Sage Football Wisdom, our journeyman quarterback friend, Sage Rosenfels, who, by the way... Did a wonderful whiteboard breakdown of a few key Vikings plays a couple weeks ago. You can find on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash score north. Confused me. Where you just basically made up play numbers, play uh, names and just, things like that. Just confused. Yeah. Did you guys uh, have a chance to look at that? Uh, yeah, I, my head kind of exploded near the end with all the uh, the X's and the O's. and the. But it was, it was. I think it was, for a casual fan, it was very my intriguing to see how far advanced quarterbacks' minds are compared to... Well, here's, well, here's what's interesting uh, about that is those three plays are extremely basic plays, like what I would call day one installation plays. You're just trying to make me feel bad. And uh, it's basically a base run in, in, in just in football in general. They used to call that Bob back on backer, the fullback on the will linebacker, and uh, you know zone blocking other than that, and you know turned into basically a, a pass off of that run. And uh, the most simple concept they have, and then something that goes off of that. So it's three day one installation plays. And uh, but you know, you know, football is a very complex sport, and you know, very few fans play it at a at a level where you're doing it all the time. And, and I remember talking to uh, one of my college uh, or a quarterback that played at Iowa State after me, who didn't play in the NFL, and. Uh, but he's a good college quarterback, and he goes, you know, the difference between college and the pros is, in the pros, it's all ball all the time. I mean, that's all we do. And so the advancement of the X's and O's and the detail just goes up. You know, there's not recruiting. There's not, you know, really a, a, a time you're not working out a full time. You don't have to go to class. You know, you're in meetings, and you're breaking down film. And, you know, it's interesting when I go back to Iowa State occasionally and sit in a meeting or something, you know, they get like 45 minutes to an hour a lot of times, uh, you know, a couple days a week where in the NFL you're in meetings for like six hours a day. So think of how much more advanced the game can get in the detail. And, and I think that's where the, 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 the games sometimes almost aren't as exciting in the NFL because, like, everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do. And in college there's all these big spectacular plays and wide-open football because they're just, I think, a little bit less detailed. It's a little bit, uh, you know, just crazy things just sort of happen. And they don't happen as much in the NFL. So how then, Sage, do you think that athletes, and I think especially football players, somehow along the way got the label of dumb jocks? Because like I said, I am I think I'm of average intelligence, at least, I think. When I look at that play yeah. up on that whiteboard, like my brain starts oozing out of my ears. You guys clearly have a level of intelligence that I don't, th- if, if you can comprehend not just that play, but an entire playbook of that stuff, there's a level of intelligence in football players that I don't think the average person walking around necessarily has. Well, it's always easier just to say the athletes are dumb. And there are some dumb guys, but there's also positions that demand 
you know, a, a deeper knowledge of the game. And you know, if you ask the the most receivers, they couldn't they couldn't really teach you the details of you know that protection that I did on the board the other day. They understand the routes and maybe the coverages. Well, a lot of times the offensive linemen they don't understand the coverages as much, but they're so detailed in the the footwork and these things that are way past what I even know of how to you know block these different schemes, whether it's a run or pass. And then you have tight ends, which I think always make good coaches because they have to understand both run and pass uh, as far as routes and, and, and blocking. Then, of course, you have the quarterbacks who have to, you know, n- know a little bit about everything and a lot about, you know, some things. And, and uh, so it's a, it's a it said there's a lot of information in the sport, and everyone has different responsibilities, and, and there's a lot of really smart guys out there, and there's guys that, that struggle uh, with it. And, and, and But there are positions that you don't have to be a genius uh, to play. And uh, so, um, you know, luckily I got to play a, a the position of quarterback in which you're really talking about every aspect of the game, except for special teams. Like, I know really nothing about special teams. I couldn't tell you, you know, if I got hired and they said, hey, you're the special teams coach, I couldn't tell you how to do punt team. It's not what I worked on at all. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I could tell you how the snappers snap a little bit, and I could tell you a little bit about the punting action, actually. Uh, but uh, the the actual, you know, protection and then how you run down the field and what the gunners do. You know, I, I got bits and pieces of that over the years and occasionally sit in a special teams meeting, but usually, you know, the head coach talks, there's a special teams meeting, quarterbacks, we leave and we go and, and do our quarterback things and talk about things that we, maybe we can't talk about, you know, it, w- with the whole group, like which receiver are we going to throw it to on third down here? You know what I mean? Like we're not going to say that, uh, you know, in front of the whole group, but we'll make those decisions. You brought up something that I've been giving a lot of thought to of late and it really bothers me because of the dearth of good quarterbacks that already exist in this league and it bothers me me because it's the stupidity of teams and coaches uh give me your list of young quarterbacks who are being actively sabotaged and or ruined by either team predicament or in the case of the jets i'm going to flat out say coach uh i think gaze might be a good oc i think he might be a good position coach i think he has no business being in the job that, that he's in but you know i go back to a guy like Carr, and i think that there's a conversation to be had there what if he was put in an environment and situation in which he could have thrived so who do you watch right now and think, my God, this league doesn't have enough quality quarterbacks for these goofballs to be goofing this guy up? Well, for, for one, I don't believe that David Carr, if he was around a better roster, would have made a big difference. Uh, you know, just based of that sort of, you know, winner thing. Um, I didn't see that. And I was around a lot of different quarterbacks and, and, uh, you know, he's an interesting guy and I liked David, but I didn't see him as a guy that was going to be a winning quarterback pretty much no matter who he had, uh, you know, as the offensive coordinator. So, um, you know, people talk about this jet situation. I was listening to the radio yesterday, and you know, everyone likes to hate hate Adam Gase, and in that likes, I'm not a fan. Uh, you know, I he, he didn't do anything in Miami. He was no good down there, and his best seasons he really came under you know when Peyton Manning was the offensive co- was the quarterback. I mean, I actually had a Freudian slip when he was the offensive coordinator because Peyton Manning <laughs> was the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And he gets this offense job, and now he's in the Jets job, and the Jets are, are a disaster. But they went through this list of 2012 to two th- to now of the drafts and there was like there had been 49 draft picks in those years or something like that and 41 were no longer on the roster including like six of the seven first rounders were no longer on the roster um and so you know and then you know gay shows up and his quarterback literally plays a game they don't even realize it'd be his mono at the time and then the next day he's on you know he's out for a month 
right? And they have obviously very little talent on this team. If you've cut all those guys uh, and you have not re-signed them, those are swings and misses. And they have swung and missed a ton of times over the course of the last seven years. And, and you know, that's where the Vikings have had a lot of hits. Uh, you know, most of this roster are, are players that are, are, uh, you know, were, were drafted by Minnesota. And, uh, and sometimes they were lower rounded guys or even undrafted guys, but they did find a lot of hits. And, and it was sort of like, you know, they, they, they have extended a lot of guys that they, they brought in here. So they've had a lot of hits on this team and, and, and the, the Jets have not. So, I think I, you know, it's hard to say Sam Darnold. I would say, yeah, the whole organization, not just Gase, but the whole organization, has stunted his growth. I have no idea um, if he'll be end up being a good quarterback. I just don't know uh, because it's been it's just been so bad around him. So he might be one of those guys where the Jets go, you know, after after four or five years, like it's just not working out, and and he might get blamed for it and move on somewhere else. He'll probably get another opportunity because he was you know drafted so high, uh, and maybe if he gets in the right coach, then. Uh, he, he'll end up being good, or he, he may not be. You know, he end up, end up just being sort of a, you know, Christian Ponder type that people just say, you know, he's not good enough to be an NFL quarterback and, and, uh, you know, be out of the league pretty quickly. But I see him lasting for a while, but I, I, I do think whatever, you know, team he ends up on, for him to be successful, he's going to have a good team around. For any of these guys to be successful, you have to have a good team around you. You know, Patrick Mahomes has great players around him, and Tom Brady's got good players around him, offense and defense or whatever, good coaching, and, 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 uh, you know, everyone likes to talk about the quarterback, and that's what we talk about a lot. But it, it, it's, it's so much based off of what's around you. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Sage football wisdom every Thursday. By the way, you can also find Sage at 2 o'clock on Mondays and Wednesdays on Purple Daily with Matthew Collar. Um, so I hate to be Buzz Killington here, but the Vikings brought it on themselves. And this game against the Cowboys, there's not a lot in terms of the fact that this is a road game against a winning opponent, and it's in prime time. There aren't a lot of things that would lead you to pick the Vikings to win this game just based on uh, the last year and a half or even Mike Zimmer's tenure here and Kirk Cousins' track record in those situations. So how do you size this one up coming up Sunday night, Sage? I tell you what, this is one of those games when, when the season started and really when the day they signed Kirk Cousins, we said, you know, there's going to be some games that Kirk has to play great and that's why they signed him. They thought he was going to take this team to the next level and that means to me that when they play some really good teams, uh, you know, that, you know, occasionally the quarterback plays great and they come through and that just has not happened. I, what was the stat? Is it 0 and 10 and 1? Yeah. Uh, against teams when you're losing the fourth quarter and the yeah. Vikings are rarely losing by a lot in the fourth quarter. They're usually, if they're losing, it's by a field goal or a, the touchdown at the most, right? So um, this game, uh, when they write the story of Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, uh, this is this might be one of the main games that they look to. Uh, I think last week was when we looked, but we were as the season, you know, uh, with the schedule came out, we looked to and said, okay, Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to be a, have to be a big one. You know, Kirk's going to have to play great. The team's going to have to play really well, uh, and, you know, for them to win and. It, from what I saw, I thought the team played, for the most part, pretty good. The offensive line on the inside didn't play well, but you know, even against the backup quarterback, uh, you know, Kirk and, and and the crew did not play well enough. So there's sort of a, a big swing and a miss there. And then you look at the schedule again, and this Cowboys game is a huge one, and uh, it'll definitely be a part of that story. It's like, okay, he either won that Cowboys game, and and that maybe propelled this team, or you know, they lost that game and, and dropped to uh, you know, sort of a mediocre team in the middle and uh you know it was a struggle throughout the season nothing happened i i I do believe this is sort of a turning point 
you know, type of game. Doesn't mean the Vikings won't get in the playoffs, but you know, they have to win some of these games against really good opponents. And this is a really good opponent. It's gonna be, a, I would think, a sort of a playoff type mindset, uh, you know, possibly for both teams. And you know, when I look at the Vikings this year, you know, if you look at, you know, I'm not, you know, you can't just look at stats and things like that, but. You know, they're one of the best, I think they're still one of the best defenses in the NFL. Definitely in the top ten. Uh, you know, they're ranked eighth in pass defense and ninth in rush, rush defense. Uh, their, their, uh, run offense, um, is I think third in the NFL, right? So, I said this on, um, with Kyler yesterday. You know, the thing about the running game is, the quarterback really has nothing to do with it. Now, unless you're like Lamar Jackson or something, and you're actually involved in the running game. But really, it's like, you know, do the game plan. What what did the coach tell me to do as far as, far as audibles and things like that? Otherwise, I'm basically getting the ball and I'm handing it off and doing a fake, right? So that is something that Kurt has no responsibility uh, to, to have. And the, 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 uh, the Vikings are ranked third in the league at that. So kudos to the offensive line and the, the running backs and the tight ends and, and the receivers who are out there blocking. Uh, but in the passing game, you know, the, the Vikings are somewhere in the middle of the league. So obviously that hasn't been, you know, a big strength to this football team. And it definitely hasn't been great uh, in games where it really, really mattered. You know, the these tight ball games, these ball games where they're, it's tight in the fourth quarter, they're, they're losing the fourth quarter or, or whatever. So, you know, how I see this game, it's going to be a really, really tough one for the Vikings to win it. Uh, this Cowboys team is good. Uh, they're number one in the league uh, in yards. Uh, I think their defense is very good. I don't know if Van Der Esch is going to come back. Did you guys see if he practiced uh, or not? But I, I think he's a stud. Uh, um, uh, as far as, as a linebacker is concerned. And I really get scared about the receivers uh, and sort of the, the matchups that they the, these receivers have against the secondary. Uh, are these are, Trey Waynes and Xavier have not played great this year. I think Waynes better than Rhodes. Rhodes has done a good job when they're playing more cover two, and he's sort of a you know up in the run game and involved and, and more aggressive. But when it's when he's, when he's had to chase, uh, he has been beat, and then a lot of times doesn't even make the tackle after the catch. Uh, both he and Waynes in some of those situations, and so you go get up against Amari Cooper, who I think is a top. Eight receiver in the NFL. I think he's really good. Um, you know, Tavon Austin just flies, and he's the guy that someone's going to have to. I mean, if we're getting in a situation where where Rhodes is having to cover Tavon Austin on some deep crossing route, I mean, that's going to be uh, that. That's not good for the Vikings defense. And and uh, and I like their other receivers as well. Uh, they have another young kid out of Colorado State, number thirteen. I think he's a good player, uh, Michael Gallup, and he's super fast also. And they, they got Randall Cobb in the slot as sort of a third down guy, you know. So and, and and you know, of course, their tight end is Jason Witten, still got thirty four catches and making things happen. Knows how to maneuver the inside of the field, and and uh, so it's going to be a, a really really tough matchup. And that's just in the passing game. We haven't even talked about. Zeke Elliott in that running game, uh, which, too, is one of the best in the NFL. And they've got that sort of high-priced offensive line. It's a major, major strength of that football team. So, boys, I'm going to take what I perceive to be a bit of a hot take from Sage there and absolutely correct. I'm going to one-up that hot take, and I'm going to tell you this. If the Minnesota Vikings do not win their next three games, and that includes two games against good teams in prime time, the window of opportunity for which they signed Cousins and which opened with a 13-3 and season in 2017 is closed as long as Cousins is quarterback of this team. You're saying a Super Bowl I championship. I am saying a Super Bowl. Yes, yes, they are still. They still could be a playoff team, and good for them. Isn't that nice and cute? But I'm that's saying, fantastic. But I'm, that's fantastic <laughs> if you're a playoff team. If you get to a first-round playoff game, good for you guys. But I'm telling you right now, when Cousins signed th- that contract, and this 
is not all Kirk, all Kirk, but with the way that the defense is trending now, with the way that things are going, if they do not win their next three games, as far as I'm concerned, through 2020, that window has now slammed shut. You could be a playoff team, but you are no longer a championship contender. Yeah, yeah. And these, just real quick, these the Dallas game and the Seahawks game specifically – like these are all the games that we've just we've just been lining up these we games circled on the schedule. When the schedule came out, go win some of these games. You don't have to win all the games, but just like even go win but one of these. Now games. I think you have to win. You got to beat Dallas, Denver, which if you don't beat, God help you, and Seattle because you couldn't beat Green Bay when they tried to give you that game, and you couldn't beat Kansas City. I think that if you're going to tell me if you're going to say Judd, we are a Super Bowl contender, and I want you to take us seriously, you got to win all three to me. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, you would think they they need to win some of these uh, you know games against playoff caliber teams. That's for dang sure. And Dallas is one of those teams. Kansas City is one of those teams that they just lost. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, this week or, or whatever. So Green Bay coming at the end of the season, um, it, it's they have to win. You know, one of those games. They can't lose all those games and just beat the the sort of the below average teams. And there's by the way, there's some bad football teams this year. And I feel like there's some sort of like. A lot of below-average teams also that aren't like the Chargers, like they're not that good, but they can sort of beat you every once in a while, um, as it as it did last week for Green Bay. And then you've got the Vikings, which are a good team, uh, and then you've got the really good teams that are like legit teams. And I don't think that you know the Vikings are just not they they don't compete with those football teams. They, they, don't, they don't. I should say they they compete with those football teams. Yeah. They don't seem to win in those football games. Yeah. And um, and a lot of times that difference that's the quarterback to me it's that's you know so hold on let's let's go down that path because i so i don't know i just i i tweeted after the game last week and rami and i kind of argued about this and rami you jump in here too i said i'm not blaming kirk for last week's loss but when you look at the 10 and one record my beef with it is you're not going to have perfect circumstances all the time go out one time two times three times and say hey defense Hey, uh, hey, secondary, uh, hey, kicker, I got your back this time. I'm going to be the one that pulls this game out in the fourth quarter, and he's he's never done that as a Viking, and that bothers me. And, Sage, my counterpoint to that was uh, if if Phil wants to sit down and go over the, the other 10 games in that 0-10 and now 0-10-1 record that Sage has, or that, excuse me, Kirk has when trailing in the fourth I mean, quarter. Sage probably, too, if he went back and looked. <laughs> I was the comeback kid. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, get him, I guess down by 17, and then I could go two-minute the whole second half. No, but what I was I saying is... I'll, I'll go through those other 10 games with you, and we can determine which one of those I would expect Kirk to pull out. But in Sunday's game specifically, when your O-line is bad as it was, when your second or maybe even best receiver leaves after three plays, when your defensive line and is is basically getting owned, when the backup quarterback can throw for 275 yards on you, when the kicker misses an extra point, and when a punter shanks one at the worst possible moment, do I expect Kirk Cousins to overcome all that? No, I don't. He's not. He's not the quarterback that I would expect to overcome all those circumstances. So yesterday, uh, Chris Sims put out this QB rankings list of what he had seen through the first half of the season, and it was just one one through sixteen. Uh, he went Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, Jacoby Brissett. Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Kyler Murray. Drew, wait, Drew Brees was where? Well, he's only he had Drew games. Brees at twelfth. He had Carson Wentz eleventh. He had Dak Prescott. He had he had Kirk Cousins at eight. 
It's aggressive. And I look at the hats and I, right behind Tom Brady and, and Matt Stafford and ahead of Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz and Drew Brees and Jimmy Garoppolo, who, by the way, is 8-0, Jimmy Garoppolo. However he's playing, they're 8-0, okay? And I look at that whole list and I think to myself, who of all these players make their team better? Like them, like every, whether it's, it's, it's the way they obviously execute the offense and those things, whether it's that clutch thing where they can carry a, a team and they just sort of have that clutch thing of the fourth quarter or whatever. Um, do they add an element to the offense that's just, you know, that creates all types of uh, trouble for defense, like a Patrick Mahomes or now a Lamar Jackson, which is more of a running thing? Like, which of these guys really do sort of add that extra element that carry their team? And it, I, I, I would almost put Kirk at the bottom of that list. I don't think that I actually He does not make his team better. Right? He he only can make his team as sort of as good as what they currently are. So I made a case he, Does that uh, make sense? He does. does not like when when the when the when a lot of these guys play with bad lines, right? And they still win games. It's right. amazing, right? I mean, it's like how does Drew Brees always have a good line? Tom Brady always have a good line. You know like some of a lot of that is the quarterback. Like they make the quarterback, they make the line better. And and Teddy was like that. Teddy's stats and Ted's Teddy's you know his magic does not come from statistics. And everyone looks at these statistics way too much. And the subtleties of playing the position that a lot of times are just getting the ball out of the pocket or just throwing the ball away or or hitting that guy on that third down or you know just it's it's hard to to put into numbers. And, you know, Breeze has had it his entire life. He went to Purdue when they were terrible. They threw the ball 60 times a game when they won the Rose Bowl. He's six foot tall and he's 200 pounds in college, right? But he has all that special stuff that makes his team better than they maybe are as just individuals. And Kirk just hasn't done that. As I said, he the, he has nothing to do with the rushing attack, and they're third in the league in rushing. That's a great line. That's a line doing a hell of a job. And that's the, uh, uh, the the running backs and the tight ends and, and the receivers blocking downfield. The quarterback doesn't do anything. Yeah. This defense has been good uh, for years, and I still think they're pretty dang good. Uh, he's got nothing to do with that, right? The special teams have been pretty good. He's got nothing to do with that, all right? Um, so he has not made this team better. Um, he has maybe gotten to them like of what they are and and, and, and know better. And, you know, I, I think to win a Super Bowl you have to, unless you, you know, uh, your, your defense is just so crazy dominant. It's like the Ravens thing, but that just doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So you, you have to have a guy, if you can find a guy that makes your team better. And it's not always throwing. Like what Lamar Jackson is doing is very unique. And and it's it's adding a, a totally different element uh, to that football team. And now they're one of the best teams in the NFL. Those are, those are fair points. And you can find a lot more Sage Purple Daily at 2 o'clock on Mondays and Wednesdays. And uh, we can have we can have similar conversations after this litmus test on Sunday night against the Cowboys. Sage, great catching up again. It's been fun. Sage football wisdom. We'll talk again next week, man. All right, guys, and uh, you should be a big one on, uh, on on Sunday. Should be. It's it's gonna be fun to watch the Vikings in prime time against the Cowboys. This doesn't happen all too often. Yeah. Omaha boys. Omaha. Omaha. By the way, that's the that's the most aggressive Sage Rosenfels has ever been in his criticism of Kirk Cousins. Just flat out saying he doesn't make them better. He just sort of rides whatever the wave level is. Yeah, I think he put it best. We've been trying to say what Sage just said right there. He plays to the level of what's around him. No better, no worse. But if the level, that, as we've seen, if the level that's around him is blocking well and the weapons oh, are and they're yeah. playing on a fast track, yes, 
He looks amazing. Yeah. He, he looks like like Chris Sims had him ranked. He, sometimes he does look like the eighth best quarterback in the NFL. I went through the rankings with you that I just put together a week ago, and you can make a case he's the tenth best quarterback in the NFL. Some of that's an indictment on the bottom third of that list, but that's uh, that's the most aggressive Sage Sage has been for sure. I think the thing with Kirk is if Kirk's playing a bad to porous, mediocre, middling team, he's fine. If things are going well as far as play calling, he's fine. But Phil, but to your point about the last two drives, I thought against uh, Casey, which is entirely accurate too. You know that drive, the one that I'm fixated on still completely is the one. I think it starts with seven forty-seven left, and that's the one where short pass to Ham, Dalvin Cook three-yard loss, and then clearly somebody bailed on faith. Because you don't call a third and 13 draw unless you think our quarterback's lost here. That call, I think that the third and 13 draw to Dalvin Cook with the Vikings up by three at that point in the game in the fourth quarter, I think that is so instructive of how this coaching staff feels about its QB. And that's a frightening call. Yeah. Think about that. It's third and 13, okay? If you have faith that this is the guy. Are you calling a third and thirteen draw yeah, and at I, that point? And and he had just and first and and to me just quickly first and third down tie together because first down in their minds now I would say that 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 was a a dumb pass to call because I know he can't throw that pass but I think in their minds they're like okay he can't miss this pass and so first and third down to me are tied with he can't even do that bleep at third and thirteen draw run more clock and by the way I ripped I ripped the offensive play calling for that. I mean, you've you've, yeah. you've got Kirk Cousins here, and he can throw the ball down the field. He's not completely incompetent. I agree, but let doesn't that speak? Th- but doesn't that yeah. speak to the complete lack of faith there? And I say, put that aside and let it rip on third yeah, and that's thirteen. Not, that's not on Kirk Cousins. The fact that his coaching staff doesn't have the faith in him to try and attempt to get a first well, down on that play—that's not on Kirk Cousins. That's on his coaching being kind of cowardly, to be quite honest. Right, with but you. they're but they're afraid of what he's going to screw up, which is well, on, which is on him because the, in their minds, if he can't even throw what basically amounts to a short screen pass on first down, they're bailing. You're not going to win playing scared no. and calling plays scared. So you might as well go go down shooting with Kirk Cousins instead of calling well, a draw. On third and thirteen. The first down. What's frustrating is to me the first down call when they get the ball back needs to be a deep shot to Diggs. That's where you just say, you know what, he can throw that yeah. pass. Okay, there's going to be safety help, but guess what, he can make that throw. Kirk Cousins. The problem with Kirk is they don't say he can make the throw. We'll trust him. They say what can be the easiest throw. Unfortunately, I could have told them what. They think is a simple throw for Kirk is actually difficult. Yeah. Again, I I go back to two things: corporate quarterback and puppet string. He needs to be on the correct puppet strings, and if you're not if you're not working the puppet correctly, you're going to fail. All right. Well, then let him fail, but don't call plays scared and hold him back on third and thirteen. I'm with yeah. Draw me on this. The whole thing collapses. Hey, when we come back, you're speaking to Kirk Cousins. Fun exercise for you guys, okay? Because Dan Graziano wrote about this, about a Kirk Cousins extension. If you had to extend either Dalvin Cook or Kirk Cousins at top of their position dollar, or let's say this way, top of Dalvin Cook's position dollar and Kirk Cousins' current dollar, and you had to pick one, which one would you extend? Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. Hi, I'm John Henney, fourth-generation owner of Henney Jewelers in Shadyside. When it comes to shopping for a diamond engagement ring, 
Be sure you're getting the very best value. Before you think about purchasing a ring anywhere else, please stop in to Henny Jewelers to compare. Our friendly team will make you comfortable and never pressure you. We are confident we'll help you find or create your dream ring at the absolute best value. Stop in to Henny today or go to hennyjewelers.com to make an appointment. Henny Jewelers, we're your jewelers for life.